I mean, again, because what I'm talking about with coercive control and all this stuff, we can't just go in and take people out of this. Um, there's layers upon layers. And what we just try and do is go in and, like I said, first love and, and then offer them, like even sh hopefully even show them that there is an opportunity and offer that hope um, and freedom and then just kind of walk alongside them. This is the HBIC Podcast, our Discipleship Weekly, where we talk with folks from HBIC and dig into the practical side of following Jesus in their lives. I'm Ryan Cagno. This week I talked with Scott Benedict uh, about his uh, work uh, on the board with the organization Peace Promise that's working to combat human trafficking in our area through really tangible outreach and expressions of love to women that are either victims of trafficking or at risk in that way. Um, really... Um, moving, inspiring, convicting in the ways that it kind of uh, weaves in um, to his own personal spiritual reflections uh, is really good. And I'm really um, grateful and honored to be able to share it with you. So enjoy, subscribe, new episodes weekly on Fridays. Scott Benedict, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. S is Scott short for anything? No, very much. Scotland? No, no, it's <laughs> just Scott. Some people, if I, my nicknames, people try and lengthen it. They try to add Scotty to it. That, that I haven't been, that hasn't been allowed since I was like 12. <laughs> so, <laughs> Scotty Pippin Benedict, welcome yeah, right. to the podcast. Um, you and your wife, Erin, have been attending HVIC for four years, five it'll be, years? Yes, it'll be five years this summer. We started attending 4th of July weekend in 2019. Okay, okay, yeah. Logged a little, logged a little bit before COVID happened, which is yeah, helpful. Yeah, I, yeah, it doesn't feel like we've been here that long because about there's two years about that don't feel feel like they we count. Did the, the time jump <laughs> feel in like there. they count because we really didn't. Yeah, I right. mean we were, thankfully we were just starting. You know, we've been there about that was July, so we'd been there. You know seven months or so before you know, a little longer than that thankfully we're just we got involved in a small group just ahead or we would have i don't know how we would have connected with it. we were still that held us up for a while in terms of really getting connected yeah. here obviously but um and you did you a, have ellie when you were ella yeah ella, ella was I'm ella sorry. turned two famously ella's ella's birthday is march 7th famously her um her second birthday party was like the last thing we did before like the last kind of uh we had all our family over for that. That was famous for the last thing we did before and everything didn't shut see down. See everybody again. Yeah, I know, yeah. Like I remember, and I remember talking about COVID. Like we were aware of it, but none of us were really aware that, like, in a week, it was just going to completely upend our lives. So yeah, yeah. what a we, time. Yeah, we actually had several people miss that because they were sick. As far as we know, none of them had COVID. But it was, <laughs> it was. Who knows? Anymore. Who knows? Yeah, who I think knows? Back on that time a lot and yeah. wonder that. Um, so you guys are, so you work for PennDOT, mm -hmm. and Erin is... She's a stay-at-home mom. Home with the girls. Yeah. Okay. Great. And Ella is in first? She's in kindergarten, kindergarten. yeah. She'll actually turn, like I said, I just dated her. She'll turn six in, in March. And Lily, our youngest, will be three in uh, June. So how did you two meet? How did you end up here? What's like the, you know, it's always good to just boil a life down sure. to spark notes. Um, I mean, Aaron, the story of how Aaron and I met is simple. How we got together is a much, we could do, we could do another podcast together because it's a, very much a God thing. Um, we grew, we, um, we both attended, how we knew each other. I don't know, that's a short story. We both attended um, 
uh, mechanics around the Christ McBick for a number of years. Uh, that's how we met, how we knew each other. That's not really, I mean, obviously that's eventually how we <laughs> knew each other and got together, but there's a much longer story that I can't really tell without eating up all the time for the podcast that we're going to do. Um, so we were attending, you know, we got, when we, I was actually, I had left, um, as far as how we got here, when I, when I, when I was still single, I had left uh, McBick, not for any reason to leave McBick, but I felt I had a friend and mentor who actually was actually the pastor that married us, who uh, was became the pastor at Pembroke Church of God, and I just felt had been feeling calling over to the East Shore at that point. I still lived in New Cumberland, but um, so I came along for the ride with him, and uh, that's where I was. That's fully where we intended to continue. Uh, um, that was that's fully where we intended to, to continue attending when we got married. Um, I remember um, we were going to get married, like our pastor was going to marry us. We were going to get married at the church, have our reception at, at McBick. And I f- remember, and then we, we, we bought a house. We live, we live in Pembroke. We live about a block from the church. That wasn't intentional. That was, I mean, it was intentional to look in Pembroke. It wasn't intentional to be right next to the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we closed on that house. Um, and I think it was like on a, thir- I don't remember what it day of the week it was, but I, then on the, the following Monday morning, I was waiting at that time. I was taking the bus to work downtown and I was waiting for the bus and my pastor friend texted me and said, uh, we need to talk. Um, I'm no longer the pastor at Penbrook. And as if this part was necessary, he had attacked on, it didn't end well. <laughs> you know, like there was no, as of Sunday, there was no indication, like, you know, I mean, it was obvious that, that it hadn't ended well because there was no indication up to that point that that's where it was going to happen. And so, so well, for a variety of reasons, you know, that was like, hey, well, we're done <laughs> um, because mm. of, of how that was handled and, and everything. And and so we, we went through, we, at the time, before, um, we ended up Erin before she had actually moved out to Ohio for a year to school. She had been attending at uh, Mechanicsburg Community Church, which is a was a church plant out of McBick, and so we went back there for uh, just because we weren't ready to church shop around the wedding. We were about three months away. We moved the whole wedding to McBick, and then um, and then so we did that for a few months. We actually attended at Living Water, um, uh, Living Water Community Church for I guess we started in August after we got married, which would have been or April, on Easter Sunday, that's when I got married, which was 2017. We were there for a couple of years. Feel like God wanted us there for the time being, still haven't really figured out why. <laughs> um, and then uh, in that spring of 19 ended up, uh, ended up deciding it was time to at least take a break and kind of God led me. And um, I actually, I knew, you know, we, I grew up, I, was, I grew up in the Brother in Christ and it was like, I HBIC was always kind of on the list of churches we wanted to attend. And, um, Fourth of July came around weekend and we were looking, okay, where are we going to go this week? And short story is I actually ended, like I never really, you know, if you're over here, if you don't necessarily know what HBIC looks like, you don't necessarily know that you're in the vicinity of a church. I have watched my car across the, the street many times and just never really looked and caught that this was HBIC. Well, so I was going to, I, had, I was doing some uh, work in my, in my shop and had got my car all sawdusty that day. So I went out to go to the car wash and I just was mishappily making a wrong, like made a wrong turn on the way out here. And in, uh, cause I just was absent-minded. And when I was trying to like, I ended up getting up on Derry Street and turned the wrong way and coming back before I got to the church and coming back. And when I went to turn around, I was like, let me just check Google maps to make sure I'm going in the right direction now. And all this. And I look, and because I looked at Google maps, I saw on Google maps, the, the church was there. And I was like, 
wow. <laughs> like, and I got back to San Aaron, you know, I think we're supposed to go to H, I think we're supposed to go to H Bic. Um, and I don't know that we, uh, the, at least for this Sunday. And uh, well, again, I don't know that we planned on, you know, n- not ever going anywhere else, but we had led that. We, we came that Sunday and just kept coming and stayed. So, <laughs> so to, so just clarify the last point, uh, you were con- it was confirmed to you from God b- via the miracle of you actually being able to locate where this place was. <laughs> Becoming aware of where this the place was. The miracle of like recognizing was, that this was, in fact, the church. The church, and yeah. I mean, like, but the miracle, yeah. I mean, it was. I had been in that same... This happened to be the right, day that I had to right. look at my map the and realize... The scales off your eyes hey, and realize yes, that exactly. weird building that's, across that's, the street. Yes, that was my... Actually. Yes, that was my... Damascus Road experience. <laughs> yes, we'll call it that. So, yeah, so that was kind of how it happened. Um, uh, one of the things, you know, one of the initial confirmations, I think, for me that we were kind of in the right place was one of the things that we had struggled about and we never really were, you know, in favor of it, but we felt like God had let us living water was there very much, they, you know, they don't do women pastors, you know, um, women elders, that sort of thing. And we don't, you know, we never agreed with that, but we felt like that's where God had led us for the time being. And on the the first, when we got there, Hank was starting a series on the women, like the female founders of the faith. And she yeah. and it started on, and he was preaching. I think that's, I think that was the first Sunday he was preaching on even in that service. He said something, he, and he said it several, a few times since then. He said, you, you would be more right biblically to say that women were superior to men. You'd still be wrong, but you'd be more, <laughs> but yeah. you'd be more right. And I was like, okay, that's, uh, <laughs> this is, you know, this is, that's, that's okay. something given Different kind of what our, some of our struggles were where we were. So Sure. Yeah, no, I recognize, I uh, resonate with that. All right, so you, Scotland, are on the board at uh, an organization called Peace Promise, which is something you were really interested in talking about on the podcast, and I've heard from you about um, a little bit. But um, I'd love for you to explain what Peace Promise is and um, then the origin of your passion for it. But first, just what is it? Sure. Peace Promise... um, not, you know, I would say nominally, you know, we're an anti-human trafficking group. Um, Peace Promise was born out of uh, a small group at McBick that was in, in about, I think it was 2007. It was just and really a group of moms who, uh, the small group was couples, but really a group of moms who were just confronted with the issue of, of human trafficking um, and all they could figure out to do was pray about it. And so they, they prayed for years and and uh, that was not much to it, more to it than that, than they would go out to truck stops and pray because, you know, um, trucking is one of the ways that trafficking, <laughs> you know, things move across the country, that sort of thing. Lots of things move across the country in trucks. And so they would go out and pray and um, just really called in and, and then eventually led to them doing a couple awareness events on the overall issue of human trafficking, 2010, 2011. Um, what Peace Promise primarily looks like, and we're still, I mean, we're st- obviously we're still an anti-trafficking group, but what our ministry primarily looks, or our work primarily looks like today is um, caring for um, women who have been victims of commercial sexual exploitation of any kind um, that we encounter through our, um, here, in, here in the local area. And, and cent- we would say Central PA as a whole is kind of our region. Um, yeah, about I I don't have the years right. It's probably about ten years, probably about ten or twelve years ago. Just again through praying and all that, we got hooked up uh, with uh, one by the name of Patty Seaman, who is now our 
eventually we hired as our it was our first employee our executive director uh, director I think we just changed her title I can't remember what it is but she's the one that she's the person that's primarily responsible for our direct for leading and, and handling our direct care with the women we got connected with her she was um, leading a ministry of women that were doing outreach into into the into the the strip clubs here in the area. There's now just one, but two up on, on well, there were two at the time up on Route 22 here, just outside of just out, just outside of Pembroke, um, and so they would just you know we're going in and just just to love on these uh, on these women that were you know they would go in they they called the called affectionately called the church ladies um, and uh, just loving on them and so that's kind of where that's where we began we got kind of came alongside with them. Um, and they kind of came under our umbrella, and that's kind of where our direct kind of outreach ministry began. Uh, it, was, it was the roots of that, um, and so, and it has just kind of consistently grown uh, through there. We have, um, and again, you know, people don't necessarily think about you know like strip clubs, dancers, and when they think of trafficking, um, the reality is a lot of women that get involved in that kind of stuff also end up prostituting and end up you know all that kind of stuff. It's not always trafficking like the way some people want to think about traffic, which a lot of pictures of how trafficking happens and what it is are not necessarily accurate and not helpful um, for us. Like um, it's been, you know, there's been a lot of new awareness about trafficking in the last number, in the last year or so due to some, some various things in the culture that have gone out. And while we're happy to, um, while we're happy to, that there's more of a consciousness and awareness. There's also been some pictures of what trafficking looks like that aren't necessarily for those of us that work in the in the in the in in the area don't necessarily find helpful. Like the idea, like the idea of traffickers, you know, kidnapping folks off the street, that kind of thing. That's does it happen? Yes, but that's not the picture of of how people wind up in these places. It 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 just ends up. It, you know, it's much more likely to happen through somebody that. They know that exploits, you know, that kind of can manipulate them and exploit existing vulnerabilities and kind of walk them into a path that, <laughs> yeah, um, that they don't realize where they are until it's too late or maybe they, you know, that kind of thing. We talk a lot about that. So, why so, do you think that? Just as a uh, an aside or pause to that, why do you think um, that different representation of trafficking tends to get more? publicity or kind of is is more entrenched in the cultural kind of consciousness well, i mean it, there's a truth to it and it's like anything else in our society and in, in this day you know it's the sensationalist it's the, you know it's the stuff that gets a reaction that that um you know that grips people that you know that scares people that is my, i'm not saying that that's necessarily the intent of what but that's it's you're gonna you're trying to grab attention and that's that's how you that's how you can grab attention for uh, good reason grab attention in some and cases. yeah I, yeah i don't necessarily i don't want to like cast you know too much in the way of aspersions on the people that are putting some of that stuff out i think in most places their hearts are in the right place it's just um yeah that, that's just the way but that's not really like i, I always if I, I say always and people don't ask me this like if you're worried you know like if if you're a, a parent and you're worried about your daughter going you know, on this path. Don't worry so much about her getting snatched up off the street. When she's walking home. Well, yeah, just, her, you know, if, you, you know, if, you, if you're a parent and you're concerned about your, you know, your daughter or getting involved, just love her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just treat her, just teach her, show her how much you value her and teach her to value yourself and she won't be 
you know, vulnerable to that kind, the kind of tactics um, that these folks prey on. They prey primarily on, you know, it's big on, you know, you see the, the women that get involved in this are, you know, usually women that were in the, in the foster, you know, in, in mm. you know, in foster systems and, you know, runaways. They, these, these, mm -hmm. the, 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 and it is primarily men that are on this side of the equation. They know how to, they recognize vulnerability and they know how to exploit it. And that's how, um, that's how these things get, that's how these, these paths get started. So anyhow. And you're talking specifically in, in our country. Yeah. I mean, there are, I mean, there are places stuff. around the world where it's a lot different, where it's a whole lot different. And but, I didn't see it, but I know there was that movie that came out last year. Uh, um, Sound of Freedom. Yeah. yeah that like, uh, yeah, that, 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 that that was around a lot with child trafficking and it been a present and again i haven't i have not seen it either honestly i've just you know seen some of the presentations and heard it talk and, and know what it was talked about and again i'm not i'm not well enough versed in it but i do know that, that it did present the kind of some of this picture of you know hey these and again which it's which, which ha i can't say it doesn't happen um but it's not really what we find the trafficking where how women end up in this end up in these places so um so yeah so we, like i said we end up you know our ministry that's how it started was working into working into these you know, these women dancing just and we just would our women would go and they would just love them they bring them treats you know yeah. just kind of no no real no agendas um no, nothing other than just hey we're here and uh, that means a lot so that's and so over time that's really grown um like I said, in 2019 was the beginning of 2019 was when we hired Patty to be our executive director. That was our she was our first hire, um, and that really has expanded our ministry. Then, obviously, the pandemic had <laughs> a lot of implications for that, um, and so so yeah. So that's what peace again. We that's what we would say. You know, I would say we would say that's our 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 work is again to just really outreach and intervention for women who are or being sexually exploited in a commercial way. Um, and we do it really through just coming alongside them. We don't have a, a set program or things that we do. It's just, we're here. Um, uh, you know, our, the goal is, and again, I say we, I don't do, <laughs> I'm not doing direct care. I'm a sure. behind the scenes guy. I give, I, you know, I help with our, with, with, with planning events. I, I run, you know, I, um, you know, we do have men that do security. We have men hanging outside lots of clubs when we have women in, in case their things go poorly. We've never really had too much trouble with that. God's been, yeah, God, God, God's protected, offered us protection in that, and we don't really cause trouble. So, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so that's what um, that's kind of, that's primarily what our ministry looks like in the last few years. In the last one of the things that's always been in our heart to do over the last, you know, throughout from the beginning, almost from the beginning, I say, almost from the beginning was essentially to have, you know, we see, we talk about industry, actually owning businesses, um, because uh, the the biggest, one of the biggest hurdles for getting, for women to be able to leave this is income. It's, it's, yeah. um, it's really hard because there's a variety of, of issues um, at play. Um, First of all, simply, what do you put on a resume when you've been, when you, uh, you know, for that? And also, a lot of our women, you know, have have been involved. They have arrests. They have, you know, potentially drug issues, other things that are going to disqualify them from a lot of their jobs. And just because of um, the nature of what they've been through, a lot of them don't have 
the life skills to um, even operate in a normal job situation. So our heart, and we, and we have, you know, over the years had opportunities. We've, you know, worked with partners, found people that have been willing to, to work with us and, and, and find jobs for our women, or we've helped them just find jobs in other situations. But, um, you know, it's just always been a vision to have this ability to say, hey, hey, we can hire you, and then you mm. can you can work for us and you don't have to worry about, okay, if you, <laughs> if you slip up or whatever, you're going to lose your job. And we're, we're going to even do some of that life skills and the training along, along with you while we're doing that. And so that's kind of been the next big step for us. That's the, um, uh, coming up on a year, coming up on two years ago in July, we actually purchased a building. Um, it is, uh, it was the former root salon in Camp Hill. Um, and after, uh, and so we have been in the process of opening up a, uh, a coffee shop, cool. uh, in, in that location. Um, I can't give a date. We've been saying spring, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully in the next couple months, to, um, we'll be actually opening that up. Um, and that will be a place where we'll be able to employ our women, uh, yeah. to, and, and, ha- you know, basically able to offer them a job and, and offer them that income that they need and, and be able to work alongside them. Well, and, and, and so on. We also have, for years, we have had one of we we had a, a woman on our board a number of years ago who was a survivor, um, was a was a survivor of, of, of having been trafficked. Uh, she started up a uh, a little business we call Soaps by Survivors, making soap, making hand soaps and and bar soap and so forth. And then we like, that's a vision we've also had. We were we were expand that's been expanding in the last year or so, and we were you know we'll have that as part of the coffee shop as well. So we're really Seeing momentum grow for that kind of opportunity to be able to bring, bring them, you know, bring them up and say, "Hey, look, we can, you know, we can actually give you a job. We can, you can, you can work for us." Wow. <laughs> and and again, our goal. I mean, and maybe some, you know, our goal is to have that be a stepping stone as well. You know, and you know, hey, you you've held down a job for two, you know, for a number of years with in here, and now you can go out and and, and take that to something else. Um, so. That's kind of the ne- that's where we are in terms of the next phase of, of 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 where we see God leading us. Are a lot of the women that you are reaching out to or that envision uh, working in your coffee shop are they women coming out of trafficking or in the cases of dancers and people you're outreaching to is this almost like people that are like at risk individuals or have the potential you know. Um, it's a both and, like I said, a lot of the women that we encounter through the, through the dance clubs end up, you know, end up prostituting on the side or so, yeah. or so on. And, and we have, we have definitely had women that that have come to us one way or the other from a pure, from, you know, very much from being trafficked, from being in, in, in kind of a, a situation like that. We talk about kind of these women and women being in, uh, under some level of, and it, it's at varying degrees of what we would call coercive control. Like they may, there may be a choice there, but it, it may be an actual choice there. But to their, from their perspective, they don't really have, <laughs> they don't really have a choice. Um, the, but yeah, it, it, it comes in, you know, it, the backgrounds vary. Like I said, some of, you know, but it's, there are, there, there's no, there's no great, you know, like wonderful stories here. I mean, that you know, we we encounter all the time. You know, we, well, you know, you know, one of the, you know, one of the th- th- threads of thought to you know addressing this issue, like the issue of trafficking overall, and 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 kind of is 
well, you know, sex work is just legitimate work. Let's let's just legitimize it all and you know, like leave it all. And you know, I I don't want to go down the route route of defining what a choice looks like for somebody. But we in in all the years we've been doing ministry, I don't think we've ever encountered anybody for whom doing even you know forget the trafficking piece, but even dancing in a club was their dream. <laughs> um, yeah. And 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 so, um, so yeah, there's just a lot. We're, we're, in any situation, we're we're talking about a lot, a lot of different layers of things that keep somebody um, doing what you know keeps somebody in, involved in this. And sometimes it's you know like actual you know threats or, or harm. And sometimes it's just it's you know other things that are <laughs> that, that are holding them in, and, and they can't feel like for one reason or another they can't leave. Yeah, just desperation and lack of opportunity and just, you know, don't feel like you have another choice. Correct. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure if most people had two options on the table that were (laughs) equally lucrative and equally whatever, I I doubt many people are choosing to to do that. Yeah. Um, Are are you, is it ever a vision, like maybe this is long term, um, to provide housing or do you guys just kind of connect people with halfway houses and things like that? Yeah. Yeah, right now... Right now, it's it's much more about we have partnerships and connections and getting folks out. I, sure. I, 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 it's definitely on our radar and potentially efficient to eventually have some sort of. It doesn't, and it doesn't necessarily need to be. I mean, no, but no, with, no, no, not, with existing yeah. resources no, it's absolutely. Is great. It, 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 you know, right now we're you know we're, you know we're focusing on the industry piece just because yeah. that's what's in front of us. But it's absolutely, I think, you know, probably. I think at various points we've you know had on the radar about even a safe house or something. I wouldn't say that's top of mind right now. I think at some point as we continue to grow, we probably will have some sort of um, housing available. You know, some sort of just more probably even more so for something quick. Can we just get some? We need to get somebody out of a bad situation quickly. You know, have something for them while we look for something longer term. Um, yeah. But uh, we, there's been lots of things. Around, I mean, we wish we could do all of this, but we, we like our focus is just, we kind of have to ask God, okay, what are we <laughs> supposed to do? Um, cause that's one of the things that has, has, you know, you know, has drawn me to peace promise from the beginning. Um, like I said, peace promise started as just people praying and pray, peace promise has been, and the foundation of our ministry from the beginning has been prayer. The first regular meeting we ever had was our, was our monthly prayer time, um, and that still exists to this day. It's still, um, um, you know, it's still the heart of, we actually have a two now, but it's the heart of our ministry and prayers. And, and so, you know, uh, we really try, we've learned that this is too hard to take on without God's help. So we always want to make sure that we're in the center of his will. <laughs> um, yeah. One of the things that, impre- as I was first getting to know, to getting to know a little bit about Peace Promise back before I started to, were really committed. One of the things that really impressed me the most um, about was like I mentioned, you know, 2010, 2011 timeline. They did a couple uh, very successful, I thought, um, awareness events, and then that was it. And I, when I got kind of involved in the ministry, I was like, "What happened to that?" Yeah. And uh, Susan, the president of our board, was like, "Jesus didn't tell us to do it again." Um, basically, she she's like, and she was like. It's way, uh, those things were way too hard and way too much work for me to do that, <laughs> for us to do it if that's not what God was leading yeah. us to do. And so um, that really, uh, that, sucked, that stuck with me. And that's always one of the things that's always 
drawn me to Peace Promise because I want to be like that's something that I want to do in my uh, how I believe we're meant to live and uh, you know to a certain I mean again we can talk about what decisions and all that kind of thing but just how we're meant to you know to follow God in that way and uh, and so that's always been something that I've been drawn to. That's great. Uh, let me just ask um, a last question, I guess, potentially last question would be, um, you know, what are the origins of your particular passion for this? Besides, I guess, maybe being connected with that small group at McBick, obviously. But, yeah. Uh, or maybe not the origins even, but what fuels your continued, you know, passion yeah. for yeah. for this issue and these women? Yeah, well, yeah, my why is connected um, – and not that you should need a why. Like, I mean, everybody needs a why, but it's a terrible thing. Like, I mean, it's, you know, when you look at this, the issue, I mean, and back when Peace Promise started, we were talking overall, the, the overall issuing of, uh, issue of traffic worldwide and, and sex trafficking. And um, it's a hard thing to look at. Um, when when I was in my mid to late 20s, in about that 2007 timeline, I started to actually, I uh, that was when I began having an addiction to pornography. Um and um, well, that happened. That ha- affects the story in a lot of ways. Um, I was very to gratefully. I was very quick to recognize something was wrong, and I was able to open up to my pastor at the time about it. Um, and one of the things that came out of that was I asked him, like I recognized I needed some like focused help, and I couldn't like he, like he just couldn't give me time. And I asked him to. Um, you know, is there anybody you would recommend to be like kind of a mentor or somebody to walk with me in this? And he, the guy he recommended was, I mentioned Susan, her husband, Joe, um, who became a really great friend and mentor of mine, uh, kind of started walking along that process with me. And, uh, so that kind of got me just being connected to him kind of got me connected to Peace Promise, um, and and the idea of Peace Promise. But that was, that was really hard, um, to be alongside at that point because, even then, without like, I instinctively understood that the same kinds of things that I like, the, the, in some the, the same kinds of issues that I was having with pornography are what drive <laughs> trafficking and drive pros, you know, drive the demand for prostitution and demand for trafficking. That's what shoots us. I always tell people, you know, it's not really a women's issue. Like women are the victims, but men. <laughs> It's not going away until men step up because that, yeah. that's the demand. You know, we can talk about economic systems and all that, but the world is fundamentally capitalist in the in the sense of if there's a demand for something, they'll you know somebody will come up with it. if there's enough of demand for something, somebody will come up with a supply for it. And so, like I recognize, it was like kind of had to like kind of had to like look away because. I recognized that in some ways, not in some ways, in reality, was I was a part of, of kind of this of this because, again, not to, to, to derail, but I mean, there's, I mean, that when we talk about commercial sexual sexual exploitation, that's what porn, like that's what porn is as well, um, and so we were walking through that process, and and uh, again, I was just kind of aware of peace problems, but I kind of, again, I just kind of kept it as a, at a distance. Um, because I knew one of the one of the one you know one of the you know, when we talk about trafficking, we're talking about modern day slavery. So one of the kind of people that gets referenced a lot in that fight is William Wilberforce, who of course was responsible for one of the primary people responsible for ending the slave. The, what we really think about as slavery, the slave trade in yeah. in England. Uh, and a quote of his was, you know, you can choose to look the other way, but you can never say again you don't know. And so for part of me, it was about I don't want to really look at this because. If I look, 
then I can't ever look away again. All right, then, then I'm gonna have, then I, now, I'm, now I have to do something with that. And so I kind of left it at that. Um, and then when it, when it came around the second, um, that second awareness event I was talking about, that was actually, it was over at Messiah College at the time, uh, now Messiah University. And the, on the first night, it was a, it was, they were gonna screen uh, Nefarious Mercers of Souls, which is a, fair, which is a documentary about trafficking. Um, it's a great first, I mean, I'll warn you, it's intense, but it's a great, if anybody's interested, it's a great, I think it's out on YouTube now, actually. Um, it's a great kind of first overall look at this, but it's hard. And so I was like struggling with, okay, do I want to, <laughs> do I want to go to this? Like, you know, yeah. what's this going to mean? And so I kind of was like, they were doing that on a Friday night and then Saturday was the all day awareness. And I was like, I was like, all right, I'll go, I'll watch the movie. And, uh, just kind of like trying to appease whatever it was that was nagging at me. And of course, watching the movie led to <laughs> watching the movie led to, okay, can I still show up for, and do I still, can I still show up tomorrow? And then I remember at the end of that, going through the event the next day. And just at the end of that, I went over it again to my friend, Joe. I was like, okay, I'm in, what can I do? And that was still a hard journey for me because at that point I was still struggling with the pornography and it was kind of a side by side. Like I don't, I didn't see it. I, I, I would never say this. I don't didn't see it as like a penance. Like I am like that. Like because I'm doing this, then yeah. I, this is okay. But at the same point, it was important. I think it was an important, um, important aspect of my eventual healing. And it this is this is a positive story for me on the pornography. I have been free. It'll be eight years coming up in in May. That's great. Um, and uh, my, I mean, but again do your math, that's 2011 to, to yeah. 2016. That didn't, it still didn't happen right there. Mm -hmm. But I did believe that there was a part of my story of my healing that was going to be in kind of standing against this even while I was yeah. participating in it. And, um, and so, yeah, so that's, why, so that's why it's been personal to me to recognize kind of my part and the part that men in general play in this and this kind of exploited behavior. And... Um, and again, not in a penance way, but just in a recognizing that. And also recognizing the kind of, because like I understand personally from what, I understand what drove me to, on the, you know, to struggle with the pornography, understanding that as, as much as, as awful as what the acts are of these, of the men who are involved in this, the men who, who buy women, who traffic women, um, they're broken too. And it's not like, um, and it's in, in, again, not to equate the actions, but this is the same kind of brokenness that drives, um, that drives, you know, me to, what drove me to struggle with pornography drives these other, like a different, not this little same kind, but it's what it, it's what it was. And so I have a real, yeah. I mean, I, I have, a, I mean, we, I want to see women, um, made free, you know, free from this. We've had, I, uh, I think the number we put out is we've been a part of having seen 35 women, um, you know, come out of freedom. That's amazing. The, the, you know, our involvement with each of those stories is very different and varied and those stories are also different, but that's what we've had the opportunity to do. And, uh, and it's a real privilege to be involved with that. And I also really have a heart and we, this isn't a part of the ministry that hasn't, that, um, we have done, you know, I have a heart for really, 
at some point really getting engaged on the demand side and dealing with men that are that are yeah. that are dealing with this. I mean, we do we have done, you know, at various times in the ministry we've done, you know, porn awareness, porn, you know, groups, you know, groups for folks that are struggling with porn that kind of thing, but um, that's a heart for me issues. That's a hard thing for me as well to to be involved on that side of things and to, yeah. to kind of work with the with the men. Um, well, I'm I applaud <laughs> You and I applaud the work of the spirit and, and, you know, you having freedom from that. And I applaud you being willing to be vulnerable, vulnerable about that and make the connection between, you know, our overriding culture of lust in this country and as men and how that props up things like trafficking and, and porn probably in even more direct ways <laughs> props up trafficking in the sense of how many, um, women that participate in pornographic material are being trafficked. <laughs> right, correct. I mean, that's the thing, too. There's a lot of, uh, I kind of was alluding to earlier, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that, there's a lot of discussion around these kind of things, like porn, like dancing, and that kind of stuff. Because when you like get up to the level... positive about it. Yeah, when you, get up, when you get up to the level of, you know, somebody that's being trafficked and, and you know, and, and, and prostituted, nobody... There's no controversy there. Everybody, you know, we all acknowledge that's a problem. Um, but you know, some of these other things, when you get down to, to porn, when you get down to, to to you know dance, you know, strip clubs or gentlemen's clubs or whatever you want, you know, there's there's a line of of defense for that. There's choice. There's you know, these are things between consenting adults. But that's just not the reality of it because yeah. there's so much. There is so much exploit. Wow, on the surface, it appears that there's maybe a choice, or this, this is done freely. There's so much, so many exploitive things going on behind the scenes. And like I said, we talked about that idea of coercive control, and you know, invulnerabilities being exploited, and you know, people. These just aren't places that people wind up. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Who had good choice? Who had, who had, you know, who had good choice? You know, had, were in a good place to begin with, and had good, you know, had good options um, for them. So. Yeah, I think that logic is really nefarious because I think it just, it, uh, in the end, all it does is continue to make women vulnerable and continue to justify the uh, sinful actions. Of yeah, a- absolutely, um, absolutely, and you know, that's one of the things because one of the, you know, one of the threads of you know of you know, uh, you know, of, of, like I said before, one of the threads of justice on this is the idea of, you know, just make it all legal or whatever, because then, you know, it can be legitimized. It can come out into the light. You can take care of that. Um, obviously I have, you know, you know, we're talking about this in a, a Christian context. We have issues, you know, issues with that on, on a, on a, just a pure uh, sin and, yeah, and reality thing. But the reality is, um, the places that, you know where it's legal, where all that's going on, are also the places that have the most trafficking going on behind the scenes to support that. Because again, you know, once you know the more demand, the more you know, taking away the legal uh, ramifications of purchasing sex, um, you know, increases demand, which increases the need for a supply. And like I said, that that supply will present itself regardless of you know what you know what those other like the trafficking piece is still illegal but that doesn't matter so yeah the the inherent exploitation in the system is is what it is and um yeah and recognize like i said recognize absolutely our culture and my own 
you know, my own role in a time for propping all that up is, is it's, that's, it's always there. Like I carry that with me, not like, and so that's, that's why. Well, we always should. Right. I mean, I think, um, especially Jesus's words of on lust in, in Matthew five, just, I think drive us into deeper and deeper levels of, of, um, investigating our own complicity in this stuff. Uh, I mean, two days ago, uh, aired the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. This was the most watched television program in the history of the world, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, the Super Bowl notoriously conspicuous for like spikes in trafficking related activity, mm-hmm. having it in Las Vegas, a place right. that is built, um, you know, this kind of just shining babble of, uh, you know, sensuality and, and, and vice, right? I mean, right. I shudder to think. And I'm complicit. I had I watched the Super Bowl. Sure, you know I made <laughs> everybody chicken, does. I made chicken wings. I did, I, yeah, I, I did too. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Um, but just investigating our own complicity and the different ways that we participate in culture, and how this just indirectly like exploits others. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I don't. And one of the things that I like want to make sure I say is like I don't want. I think this is something. The goal what I hope people experience, because I know, I don't know how many people listen to this podcast, but I just know the numbers. And tens I know, and tens. I, I, tens and tens. I know there's probably going to be people listening to, uh, listening to this that are going to have, you know, personal ongoing struggles with, with some of this stuff. And sure. um, my with, heart. With watching football. With, with watching football. Yes. <laughs> with the things that I've shared. And like, yeah. we're not going to dive deep on that stuff today, but my, my goal, you know, my heart for that is not, is not to heap guilt or shame on sure. people. It's conviction, and to, like, and and that's that's God's job. That's not mine. But also to offer that there is like you know a hope for that, and there's freedom for that. And mm-hmm. I, you know, anybody wants to ever grab me <laughs> privately, not yeah. on a podcast. Uh, I, I know. I, I mean, I know from firsthand experience that um, shame does nothing to help people be free from that cycle. Right. Nothing and, at all. And you could say. Similar things about um, the women that Peace Promise are reaching out to. That's exactly what I was about to say. Well, then you say it instead. Right, that's what I was going to say. Like, that's, you know, because that's the other, you know, that's the other side of kind of why are you doing this kind of piece? Like, there's this, you know, there is a shame and a, and a, and a, you know, kind of looking down on these women um, that, that is inherent with what, with what they are involved with. And, you know, again, I feel like, uh, you know, it's it's one of the it's what it's it's one of the saddest things to me that you know for a lot of the, for these women you know for, for people in those situations that they would feel like a church would be the last place that they wanted to go like and like the like church ladies coming in would like that would be their perception. I'm glad that that's not their perception of our church ladies, but the, and yet you know when I believe that mm-hmm. it should be the first like that should be the first place that they we, we want to go, and I'm glad that we're able to do that and, yeah. and cut through that shame because like I said, Based that's what on. we do is. You know, again, you can't, I mean, again, because what I'm talking about with coercive control and all this stuff, we can't just go in and take people out of this. Um, there's layers upon layers. And what we just try and do is go in and, like I said, first love yeah. and, and then offer them, like even sh- hopefully even show them that there is an opportunity and offer that hope um, and freedom and then just kind of walk alongside them outside. And we like, I haven't talked a lot about the things that we do, but it, sometimes that looks like, you know, um, you know, 
bunch of strangers throwing a birthday party for a little girl of one of our of one of our women because getting her getting them out of the situation meant that they weren't going to be able to have a birthday party with all their friends or it looks like caring for their kids while yeah. they go to get needed you know you know counseling or care or you know paying for groceries once in a while because you know they're they're in they're in crisis you know we have to walk alongside yeah they need that you know spiritual and, and emotional freedom and these different relational freedom these different things that loving people into that is crucial and important yeah um, and in that respect the work you guys are doing is great uh and i wonder too how much like in regards to shame and our ability to heap this up on people like circling back briefly as we wrap up to that um the divergence on how this is tends to be portrayed culturally. I wonder how much of it it's 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 easier to garner sympathy for people when we portray trafficking as innocent girls picked up on the street, Rick, Nicaraguan children, whatever it may be, that are vic- like kind of more pure victims in this Correct. way in our perception um, versus. Uh, I wonder if like cultural responses to women that become trafficked via being dancers or via these other paths. Right. Is there this either unspoken or God forbid spoken kind of like you brought this on yourself. Correct. Yeah. You put yourself yeah. in I mean, that, you know, compounding their shame that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's absolutely there. Um, that's absolutely there. And that's, I mean, that's again, that's the kind of things that we're trying to, that we yeah, you're countering, we're countering by that. Just right. saying, Hey, we love you. Just, <laughs> you know, you, we love you. You have value you know, and worth. Well, man, that quite literally reeks of Jesus, doesn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. I mean, quite literally yeah. is a picture of the ministry he carried out in his yeah, life. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's a hard, like, it's a hard journey. Like, I mean, we talk, you talk about, because it, it's, like I said, we talk about these layers of coercive control and of being broken and, you know, like, you know, we just find, you know, like in other, you know, you, you hear, you hear, um, you know, talk about in, in like, uh, you know, any kind of progress, like, you know, sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back with, when we're walking alongside our women, sometimes it's one step forward, five steps back. Sure. Um, it's just really hard. Like, um, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's not a mint, like I'm, we, we're, we're eager for anybody who wants to come alive and support us in a lot of different ways, but walking alongside these women, it's not, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, cha- it's a hard, it's like, I, I can't imagine, I couldn't do what I couldn't do what the women that walk a lights on these women's every day do, um, because it would just break. Like my heart would just be constantly broken. In 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 the waiting, and there's lots of I say there's lots of we have wonderful stories of freedom and and so on. But there's a there's a lot of th- there's just a lot of times where we just have to be like, oh my gosh, what's you know like what's going on? But uh, and and we have seasons of that. We've had our we've had. Uh, you know, women that we have seen step out and get pulled out of very dangerous situations that have gone running back. And we've had, sure. we've had women, you know, we, 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 and it's just, it's about being there <laughs> and, and kind of just allowing. And, and thankfully, you know, ultimately it's God's work. It's not ours, but it's, 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 it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, but it's really, it's really also amazing. Um, you know, and we know, I mean, we, we know it's, we know exactly it is. It's Jesus. It's, it's right there. I, our, Susan, our, our, our president of board, she talks about how like, you know, God's, 
God's favor is is on these people, like is on the least of these, and and you know, and like, and He's just pouring that out, and we because we're kind of standing over them, we get to <laughs> we get to experience that as well. Because that we, we, we get to experience that as well, and so um, and so it's 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 it's, it's quite a journey. <laughs> it's quite a journey. Well, I commend you, and I think in the the math of the kingdom, um, thirty five individuals. Um, experiencing some level of freedom through this is a, an amazing uh, work of God, even in a short amount of time. Great. So that's so good, man. It's so good. Thanks for sharing your heart on this, and I hope to hope people catch uh, some passion for it. And yeah, absolutely. Um, We'll join you in prayer at the very least. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But, um, Always looking for people that will pray. <laughs> Pray and uh, give money, people, and uh, get involved. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> talk to you know, you know. Scott. Yes. I'll put his. Uh, I'll put his. Um, his uh, cash app link in the. I'm just <laughs> no, 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 no. Or yeah, no, no, promises. no. Peace um, promise. No. No. I am when it comes to that kind of thing. I'm shameless. Too shameless. But okay. Scott, thank you for making the time for this. It was okay. really, really, really good. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Glad, thanks for having me. I'm glad sure. to be able to do this. Yeah.